Well, welcome back once again to another episode of Talking With Tech. Today, I'm joined by Rachel Madel, as usual. How are you, Rachel? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm great. You probably have better weather than, than we do out here, as usual. But um, Always. Always. I'm, I'm getting over my jealousy. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and then for the first time, I, I think in two weeks, we have Mr. Chris Begay. How are you? I'm back. I'm back. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to be presenting down in uh, Virginia, Southern Virginia, so I couldn't be here for the last banter, but I'm back now. All that's over. Thank goodness. I don't have to be here with Lucas by myself. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. Talk over everybody, right? (laughs) But no, seriously, uh, you know, Chris, you know, we always, we love your your extremely valuable input. And um, you actually conducted our interview that we're going to be hearing today, uh, which I'm really excited about. So I, um, I, usually when we, when we record an interview, we'll write up some notes uh, for ourselves as we do it. And I just want to quote what you wrote here, um, that, uh, that, that she is a, um, a global phenomenon, right? <laughs> that, that, was, that, that seems that's, 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 that's high praise. So, so, t- so tell us a little bit, um, you know, before we get into some other conversations we were going to have, tell us a little bit about Leanna Fox. So I had the great fortune to meet Leanna a couple of years ago when I got to go to Australia to do some presentations on IAC. And uh, she works, uh, something that I don't get to do in my current practice is, uh, you know, I work in the public schools and I'm mostly working with kids, you know, and Leanna gets to work across the lifespan. So she gets to work with kids and adults and she gets to see the whole gamut. And so um, just spending some time with her was really like eye-opening because it was a, one of my first indicators that oh my gosh, I really need to spend time with people who are not in the school system, you know, to start uh, getting out of my little bubble, you know. And uh, you'll see that during the conversation, you find that, um, uh, man, the the issues we have here in the United States are the exact same issues they have over there in Australia. You know, we get into it a little bit in the interview. Uh, and, and she's just, uh, you'll see, she's fun to, she's fun to listen to. She's got an Australian accent. <laughs> yeah, that's always fun. Um, and I feel the same way, Chris. I actually just got a referral for a 25 year old the other day and I work so almost exclusively with children. So I was really excited to work with an adult and I was like, wow, I really need to branch out. Um, just because, you know, it's kind of a different, a different a thought process that you go through when you're working with adult clients because the you know you have to just make it functional for adult life which is very different than kid life so it was really interesting um you know and i definitely want more adults because i think that it's just it's a challenge for me in a lot of ways and a, a good challenge yeah and you know in the school system rachel what happens is we get into this pattern of thinking of um because ieps are usually written for a year right so you mm-hmm. get thinking this box of what can a student do in a year, which is a good, good thing. And so, so often it's not looking through the entire life of where are we headed, you know? And so uh, uh, spending time with Leanna and spending time with actual uh, end users, people who have come out the back end of school districts, it just helps you frame your perspective of, okay, this is where we're going. Yeah, I know. It's really um, a good thing to be able to have the the foresight to kind of step back from the IEP year long picture and see where are we really going and make sure we're supporting every step of the way with that IEP. Now, so, something else. Oh, go, go, ahead, ahead. go ahead. Well, I was going to say something else we get into in the conversation is that she is in Australia and there's a big event happening here in Australia coming up in July. It's the Isaac conference. Um, I mistakenly say that it's in Sydney and it's not, it's in the Northern part of uh, Australia, which is even like, 
it's like super resort nice area in July, um, which is like their winter, you know, so it's still going to be awesome there. Uh, are you guys going, Lucas? Do you have your, your plans? I am going to be under my bed weeping, I think, with uh, if um, if anyone wants to, I, I don't know if there's like a big piece of luggage I could fit in or something. <laughs> I want me to go by boat. Uh, I, it's okay. But no, unfortunately, I doesn't. Isaac is looking increasingly like not going to happen. How about yourself? No, I'm not going to be able to go this year. I did get to go last year just to do a quick presentation. It was in Toronto last in year. In Toronto, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but uh, this year, no, Australia, I can't make that happen. But Rachel, you're going, right? I wish I was going, guys. I'm so I'm so bummed too. It's so far, and I just couldn't I couldn't make it work this year. But I definitely um, I'm definitely sad. I'm going to be missing out. Um, so for guys, for people who don't know, what is Isaac? Oh, it's this big big international conference, uh, uh, and I guess it's an organization as well. But uh, it's like the premier place to go to learn about augmentative communication. Yeah, uh, International Society of Augmented Alternative Communication, I think, right? Somebody will email and correct me. Tech at speechnights.org. I, I can take it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing there's going to be a lot of people listening to this that are also in the same boat, meaning they're, they're not climbing in a boat and going to Australia. They're, they're also not going to be at the Isaac Conference. So what are some alternatives for them? What, what, what can we offer people besides just listening to our podcast to get PD? Yeah, well, it's actually a really great question. One that I get asked a lot by, you know, teachers who are really interested in AAC and behavior therapists who are really interested in AAC. And there are a lot of resources out there. Um, you know, since we're speaking about conferences, we can talk about some of the other conferences that um, are out there for AAC. Closing the Gap is one that comes to mind um, that happens every year. And where is that based? That's up in Minnesota. Yeah, somewhere in the hey. Midwest. Minneapolis, or what, Twin Cities sort of area, sure, yeah. yeah. But they, I, I, you know, one thing I want to say about Isaac is they do, and I wish I could go, but they do the best job of picking spots. Because so many, I mean, I'm sure uh, SLPs can relate that, you know, often it seems like I'm either in uh, Minneapolis or Orlando. Or, you know, occasionally LA, Denver, they'll, they'll sprinkle it in. But listen to this. Okay, so so Isaac, we've got... In 2014, Lisbon, um, you know, Barcelona, 2010, Montreal, Dusseldorf, Natal in Brazil, Odense, uh, Dublin, uh, Maastricht, uh, I mean, Stockholm, Cardiff, Cambridge. Like, I, I want to go to those. Like, You've just solidified to me that I will be going to Isaac every year. From yeah, here on. yeah. <laughs> if I miss this one, this is going to be, I'm just going to move to wherever the next one is and just live there in advance. <laughs> That's well, federation. Know, that really points out that it is a global thing, right? The AAC is blossoming into, you know, it used to be something that uh, only a few people had, especially high-tech AAC. And now it's kind of known that, like, if you're over the age of three and you're not a verbal speaker, you're using AAC of some capacity. And that's worldwide phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Well, and, you know, you actually bring up uh, uh, something that I was just thinking about, which isn't directly relevant to the continuing education piece. But what... Um, to what extent do we see commonalities? Like, you know, you're obviously familiar with the Australian community. I'm familiar more with the Middle Eastern community. Um, but in, in terms of actual practice, it seems like there's a, a lot of overlap. Like people are, people are doing a lot of the things the same way, even though they may not have the same tools, right? Um, you know, Australia maybe being an exception. What have you seen? Well, in Australia, like I said, it is kind of the same. I mean, the principles are the underlying, the underlying principles are the same, I think, wherever you go, right? Core vocabulary, uh, uh, aided language stimulation, 
uh, those things don't change no matter where you are, right? That's how you learn. Right, right. Um, so, all right. So back to the topic of continuing education. So like Isaac is one example. So they release a lot of free webinars. Um, uh, and one thing that I do just as a junkie is I'll go down and, or I'll go through and download all the PowerPoints uh, from everybody from the talks that I, that I couldn't attend and, and, and try to glean what I can. Another thing that I'd encourage people to do is if you see that one talk at a conference and you can't make it there and you're really intrigued by it, email the author. You know, just get a hold yeah. of them. And, you know, one thing I found is that so few pe people get intimidated by emailing those authors or there's big, like, here's a good example. You might recognize the same Rhea Paul, right? Rhea Paul is a very big SLP in the early childhood language development area. And I emailed her and I did this whole very apologetic, like, oh, I'm so sorry to bother you. And she said, like, no, everyone's so scared to bother me that I don't get any email. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're making their day. Do it. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, honestly, I can, I do the same thing, Lucas, after a conference, you know, I'm never able to hit all the, the talks that I want to, but you can actually glean a lot from, um, or gain a lot from, you know, going through those PowerPoints. There's always an amazing resources list at the end, um, which I love because one of the things that's so hard in when you're practicing is to have you know, resources to continue to learn, to continue to find new materials and new ideas. So I love the, the resources section. So what other, what other, what other ways are there to get professional development besides just going to conferences? Is, the, is there other ways you keep up learning? And I, I, one philosophy that I have is that I try and learn a little bit every day. And I, I mean, I mean, that means like active learning, not like, oh, I learned that the, the traffic is bad around the beltway of Washington, D.C. Like, I mean, like what, learning something that really matters, especially when it comes to AAC. Is there ways to just keep your, keep your toe in the water? You know, I love, and we've talked about this, I've talked about it numerous times in this podcast, but I love practical AAC. I love it because you can sign up for her, her emails. Um, and this is Carol Zangari, who um, I think co-founded the blog. Um, but you sign up for the emails and she will send a weekly, sometimes there's two in one week, um, kind of roundup of just quick, easy to digest articles that go over, you know, a specific area of AAC implementation or evaluation. She also does a really great job of uh, sourcing lots of those resources. So, you know, if somebody's in the AAC world, they've been featured on Practical AAC. So it's a really good way that's not super intimidating to get those professional development uh, articles. And, you know, you don't have to page through a, a journal or anything really intense. It's, it's really easy to digest, which is what I really like about it. Sure. Do you, uh, do you guys know about her new thing, the Practical AAC on Tuesdays? What's mm -hmm. happening? Yeah, the link, the link share. So it's, um, you're able to post a link to anything AAC related. I know that she has moderators. So, yeah. you know, you can't we just should, post anything. We, we have not anything. done yet, but I would love to uh, start putting our, our, our podcast up there, actually. Uh, yeah. I, it, it's, it's made its way up there. Oh, yeah. See, that's all we need. Is all <laughs> Thank you. God for Chris. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, but I guess that's a nice ahead. challenge people that's a nice challenge for people to find some information that they found useful and then kind of share it there as a big repository just uh, it, it took literally, literally two seconds you don't even have to write a description of what it is and every tuesday is just a list of links that people have submitted and uh, uh there everything is useful i mean everything that, that i've seen there so far has been good stuff because like you said it's moderated so it's not junk you know yeah the other resource that's really good for 
clinicians and teachers who are just starting to learn a little bit more about AAC is the Facebook group, AAC for the SLP. It, I think it has like 16,000 members now. It's a huge, huge Facebook group. But what is really nice is if you're, you know, trying to find information about key guards, for example, you can just hit this, you can search within the group. This is a hack that I found out about you know, only a few months ago, and it was a game changer for me. Um, you can search these groups. And if I'm searching for key guards, for example, every post that was posted that has the word key guard in it comes up. So I can scroll through people who have already asked, you know, the same question that I was potentially going to ask and find the information and kind of scroll through what people were commenting, links. Um, so that's a really, really great resource too. Um, where you can just go in there and search what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. That's funny because I only ever searched my own feed to try to remember that one joke that I shared like three years ago. <laughs> um, I've, and, def I've definitely, sorry, I've definitely searched myself in that group because I'm like, I know I said something one time yeah. and somebody responded I mean, one time. And seven years ago when you're like, oh, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, <laughs> I've learned so much since then. Yes. One, um, one, uh, one, one piece of caution there, I would say, is that those groups are great for quick questions about like a how-to with an app or something like that. But I wouldn't necessarily rely on them for, for research, right? Um, which isn't to say there's not a lot of great stuff going on there. And there are some great moderation teams, but there are, um, you know, other places to find that. You know, we mentioned Practical AAC. Recently we had Jane Odemon of the AAC Language Lab, which also can be really useful. Um, uh, you know, I personally also really enjoyed the Informed SLP uh, uh, created by Meredith Harold, Dr. Meredith Harold. And um, in fact, if you pay attention to our, our website in the coming weeks, you're going to see a good amount of content sharing going back and forth, um, you know, between between us. Um, and then another one that I really like is when the uh, the the SIG-12 um, uh, special interests uh, magazine comes out. I'll have a little post test piece. Um, even if you feel like you know the material, I always run myself through those tests, uh, partially because then you get to see use, but also because it's a good way to validate your knowledge um, and, you know, learn new things. Cool. You know, I think your your cautionary tale there about uh, AAC for the SLP on Facebook is not just good advice for that particular group, but it's good advice for social media in general. Sure. Because yeah. Sorry. I, I didn't mean to single that one out. Yeah. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. Well, well, and, and I think it's what you what you put into it and what you get out of it because there's definitely people in that group and in others where they'll just post links to research. So it's I think it's just being a a, a good digital citizen to say am I am I am I really being conscientious about the information that I'm taking in? You know, am I, am I being cri critical thinking? You know, am I just bl blindly blindly believing everything I'm reading here, or am I actually? Mm -hmm. uh, questioning what I'm reading and, and, and am I coming to it with an open mind or am I just trying to, uh, you know, dig my heels in with my point? Yeah. And I think something, you know, in addition to that is it's really nice to hear other perspectives. Um, that's one thing that I really like about those groups is, you know, sometimes people will comment and say something and I'm like, I never would have thought of that or from that perspective. So it's really nice. Um, but you know, as you guys both mentioned it, you have to kind of take it with a grain of salt and be diligent that you're not just kind of believing everything you hear and making sure that it's backed in the research. You know, Rachel, I see that a, a lot, actually. People, the cognitive dissonance will will screw up pe with people's mind. Like, you know, it's really uncomfortable if you have this belief, like uh, whatever it might be, and someone comes in with a countering view, your first thought is to reject it, and that's wrong, and it can't be. So it's you have to fight against cognitive dissonance and say, no, 
maybe they do have a point. Let me see it from their other side. Maybe, I don't want to get in a soapbox here, but maybe we need a lot more of that just in the world in general. Right? I could not agree more. <laughs> we could be good. We could be good models as SLPs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is how you do communication, right? You listen to other people. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so let's circle back to some more resources for people who are looking for AAC um, professional development. There's one um, through Patan. Um, it's called The Power of AAC, and it's fantastic. It's all free. It's through Pennsylvania, um, which is where I'm from. And um, we definitely will link to that in the show notes because it has a lot of really useful webinars um, that you can access. Yep. Well, and, and there's a lot of smaller, smaller conferences often that are even free. So, uh, well, this one isn't free, but AAC in the desert, uh, put on by Carolyn Musselwhite is great. And for those of us on the West coast is a real cheap flight. Uh, sorry, Chris. Um, so that's a great one. Um, coming up here, we have AAC in the cloud, uh, sponsored by cough drop, which last year, I think they had something like 35 speakers. Um, just don't watch mine. Don't watch mine. Or mine. <laughs> Them are really good. Um, and then, of course, just this past week, we did a webinar with Exceptional Ed, um, which is a, a real up-and-comer. Um, I mean, this was the very first uh, conference they've ever had, and I, I, I think there were um, in excess of 2,000 people or something like that that were subscribed, So, um, which is, I mean, that's, that's quite a few for something brand new. Um, you know what, Lucas, Rachel, I bet you we missed a bunch. And I know that because summer's coming up, there's a bunch of AAC camps coming out there. So why don't we ask everybody, go over to the Facebook group and post your summer camp that you know about or post some other yes. conference that was another great place that you're learning information. We'd love yep. to hear about it. Can you imagine a whole list of AAC summer camps that just uh, on our Facebook page so people can see it? That would oh, be awesome. that would be and so then, wonderful. And then what we can do is we can make a resource for people and we can put it in our files in the group. I love that idea. Yep. Yep. See, now I'm already thinking about more. So I got to say, talking AAC <laughs> put on by Rachel Langley in Michigan is fantastic. I have one more resource that I think would be beneficial to put in here. And that is YouTube channels. I think there's no better way to learn AAC than to watch AAC. And we speak pod. We had Karen Owens on. She has a fantastic YouTube channel where she does basically all aided language stimulation showing how she communicates with her. Um, I think she has four children um, who use the pod system. And then we also interviewed Erin Compton. She, her handle is lots of Comptons because she has, I think 13 kids. I'm not exactly sure. I can't remember, but she does an amazing job. I just posted on my Facebook page um, a video of her, her son who I think is four with CP um, he's using, I don't, I freak, I forget what system he's using, but they're doing dishes and his sibling, who's probably a few years older is modeling on the device. And they're talking about dry and wet. And it was just so amazing to see that sibling modeling. I was just like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, have to share, love this. Some of the, some of the parents and sibling videos are, are just the best because that's what we, I mean, I want so badly to give people good examples of what to do at home. Um, you know, I'd, I'd rather share those than, than, than clinical videos most of the time. That said, as I've said before, we do have a YouTube channel ourselves, of course, talking with tech. Uh, we have, uh, um, a, a Roku app and, and a Amazon fire, uh, TV app that are both called speech science. But, um, I, I, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of conference videos and modeling and demos and those things. So if you uh, have any of those things, check it out. There, there's so much. That, and it's funny because people talk about how there's so little for AAC, but now that we make the list, you just got to go out and find it. 
And I'm sure we're just scratching the surface. You know, one of the YouTube videos that I love or YouTube channels is called Wings Works. If you haven't seen that one, check it out. It's a bunch of teachers that said, we're going to use our students. We're going to invite them to make videos about core vocabulary. And so it's teaching, like, this is what in means. This is what out means. And the videos are specific to those core vocabulary words. It's they're, they're awesome. They're fun. They're hilarious. It's out of Indiana. Actual teachers doing it are really... I, I show them off all the time because uh, it's inspiring. They're like, well, geez, I can't do this. These teachers are doing it. If these teachers can do it, you can do it too, you know? Yeah, no, that's awesome. I love that. I can't wait for these show notes, man. They're going to be chock full of links. I know, seriously. <laughs> well, Not I it. think we've covered Not quite it. a bit here. Um, uh, Chris, did you have another point there? Nope, nope. I was just saying I'm not it. But, not it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Well, um, that was a lot of information. So if you, if you have more to add, please, as always, contact us, tech at speechscience.org. Find us on Facebook. Uh, we have a page and a group, both called Talking With Tech, um, or at Talking With Tech on Twitter or Instagram. Um, we, we love hearing from people. We love hearing your questions um, and your comments. So we'd love that. Uh, you know, and then, of course, if you have time, um, hop onto iTunes, uh, give us a review, subscribe, and uh, maybe even suggest this to a friend because that's how people uh, learn about us, you know, get to know about this information. But without further ado, uh, let's uh, get started talking to Lana Fox from Sydney, Australia. So how's it going, Leanna? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you are, what you do? Okay, sure. Thanks, Chris, and thanks for having me on. Um, so as Chris said, my name is Leanna. I'm a speech pathologist based in Sydney, Australia, um, and I've been working probably in the realm of AAC and disability for, gosh, 15 years or so now, a little embarrassing. Um, and I guess I've spent a bit of time working in the south of Ireland and then some time in rural New South Wales. And I've been in Sydney probably for about oh, 10 years or so now, working in government, non-government, and also now within um, the Australian branch of PRC company called Liberator. Gotcha. All right. So explain that a little bit. What does it mean to be government and non-government when you say you work in okay. the Sure. So government is... Uh, working for like Department of Health. So um, I currently am just wrapping up a job working for the Children's Hospital in Sydney, um, where I work in the rehab department for children with acquired brain injuries. Um, so that's a, a government job because, mm-hmm. you know, your wage is paid for by the state government. Um, and non-government means that you work for a, a charitable organisation. So um we have some organizations here. So one of them is the Cerebral Palsy Alliance um, that is, you know, a non-government organization. They do lots of fundraising and research and they support primarily people with cerebral palsy. And there's also one called Aspect Autism Australia, whose main job is to sort of support people that have autism Australia-wide as well. Gotcha. So you've worked with a large number of populations and ages. Am I getting that right? Yes. So I've worked across the lifespan, which is good. And uh, I, I just keep on realizing I know less and less the more I work. So. <laughs> I am coming to that same realization like uh, that, you know, back in the day when I was first starting out, it was almost like ignorant was ignorance was bliss, you know, and the more I learn, the more I read, uh, the more I'm like, geez, I've never heard of this thing before. How do I not? I've been working for, you know, in this AEC realm for just like we said, 15 years. What, what, how come I've never heard of this thing before? <laughs> I know it's embarrassing. You sit there going, "Oh, okay, Google." Hmm. And yeah. what did we do before Google? 
anyway, a little embarrassing. So uh, do you have a preference, kids, adults? Do you? uh... Um, I like teenagers with attitude. I think that's my favorite. (laughs) I like the ones that are a little bit cute, a bit of attitude. Um, Yeah, I, I find them interesting to work with. Awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I can imagine how much fun that is. Like most of the kids I work with are the, I mean, I work with uh, everyone in public school. So everyone from kindergarten up till the age of 22 here in the, in the United States. And uh, I know exactly that population they're talking about that. They have like the little edge and they're fun and they like to um, yep. banter back and forth. Yeah. That's yeah. That's Usually cool. the ones that try and run you over with their wheelchair when you tell them <laughs> to do something that they don't want to do, do you know, or um, you know, try and give you the finger or whatever, and then sort of knock their device off their table when they do it. So I, I like those kids. They're fun. Do you know? Yeah. And yeah. I have a, I have a habit of sort of winding them up as well, which is probably not great, but I'm like, Oh, it's fun. You know? I'm sure that brings out the communication, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes when, when children are joking around with you and getting a little bit annoyed, they come up with really creative ways to sort of tell you, no, I don't want to do that or get away from me, you crazy lady. Mm-hmm. And um, I find that quite encouraging that they then learn how to protest in a safe place so they can then bring that into a place where they might not feel as comfortable. Yeah, yeah, I totally love that. They're practicing how to, uh, to, how to be and do those things with you so they can do it in generalized, right? Yeah, yeah. It's important to be able to say, no, I don't like that. Get away from me. So yeah, I like to teach them that. So Leanna, let me ask, have you, you spend some time with what maybe people refer to as end users, like um, people who have made it through like our public school system or in your, in your case, mm-hmm. the school system that are uh, functional users of AAC? Would you, is that true, false? What do you, what would you say? Look, it's, and this is a really sad realization. I think we still have a, a long way to go in Australia around ensuring that everybody who requires AAC is given adequate service and support to become a proficient user. Um, I think we're going through one of the largest social changes of my generation at the moment in terms of government policy with the introduction of the National Disability Insurance Scheme. And that's an Australian-wide policy where theoretically all people who have a disability will be able to get their needs met to achieve their life goals. Um, so theoretically that means they can say, I want to be able to have a job. I want to be able to have social connections in the community. And then the government will provide them with a capped amount of money to get assistive technology or physiotherapy or whatever it is that they require to meet those goals. Um, unfortunately it's still having some teething issues. Um, but so they've had to do a lot of policy shift because what we realized is that children are finishing school. They're illiterate. They've got no functional communication. And this is because they have, you know, a significant physical disability and complex communication needs. Um, unfortunately, um, I, there, there are not many, um, competent adult AAC users, Um, I guess really the first generation of um, adults that can use assistive technology as functional AAC users are sort of um, really in their, there's there's a couple of older folk, but a lot of them are really in their Mm -hmm. thirties now. And there's, there's not that many of them. I mean, I have the privilege of knowing some of them and um, in Sydney, there's a group called AAC voice that's run by Fiona given um, who's been a, uh, keynote speaker at an Isaac conference um, and AAC voice has, so she's a president and the vice president is a gentleman called Greg who's in his sixties, who is also an AAC user. 
and they're probably the two best users in all of Sydney and it's mm-hmm. been hard, their stories. And, you know, Fiona had to fly to America to learn men speak because there was no one in Australia um, who could teach her. So, right. yeah. And she's my age, Do you know, like we're the same age. So you sort of sit there and go, well, no one could teach her. How, how did she stand a chance? Like she just had an incredibly supportive family and she was very stubborn. And so all so, the people that don't have that, how can they mm-hmm. learn it? And and so are you, do you find that it's growing though? Like you said, the, the, um, yeah. So I think, um, there's a lot of opportunities now. And I think, you know, particularly with, um, technology becoming more cost effective. So, you know, with the explosion of iPads and apps, you know, people have heard of AAC and they're getting very excited. Um, so you tend to see trends in the AAC market, I guess you'd say. So, you know, um, we're, we're very lucky to have Gail Porter also based in Australia. And, and when she created the pod system, um, everybody was like, Ooh, what is this? And, you know, her pod training is a, is a wonderful workshop. And, um, you know, I was very lucky to, to go to one of those workshops when it was kind of new. And, you know, I was like, ah, it's a Dynavox low tech, fantastic, <laughs> because funding was always difficult to access for devices. So, um, you know, it was really exciting to have that. So then everybody got a pod, you know, like every single student got a pod and right. schools are like, everybody's getting a pod, but nobody knew how to use it. There was no one to show them how to use it. So you have these big bulky things being used inappropriately and, and people, you know, saying, oh, we need to simplify it. It's too complex. But then, of course, simplifying it to the point where it's no longer a pragmatically organized dynamic display. And you're like, this is just topic boards glued together. This is yep. not an AAC system anymore, do you know. And then um, Proloquo2Go came out. So everybody was Proloquo2Go and every school had Proloquo2Go. And, um, you know, and people are starting to see now, hang on a minute this may not be working for all children. So people are starting to get a bit more savvy now around, you know, we can't just do what the latest trend is. We can't just go with this because we've heard of it or it's the most popular. Um, But we do have a deficit in terms of um, competent AAC clinicians. So um, there are not, and, you know, and I put myself in the same category, um, there are not a lot of really skilled AAC clinicians in Sydney um, I could probably count on my fingers how many, you know, AAC clinicians are in Sydney that I would happily pick up the phone and say, hey, can you help guide me around AAC problem solving? We just, there haven't been the jobs necessarily. There hasn't been the supervision. There hasn't been the education, um, you know, or the funding for therapists to do that. So it's a really growing industry and it's a really exciting time, I think, for up and coming um, people that may require AAC, it's becoming more accessible, which is great. And speech therapists are getting a lot more excited about learning about AAC and being more discerning around using it and doing thorough assessments, which is really exciting to see. But um, we always have a long way to go, I think. Can I just say everything you just said, I, I don't know if this is not an, uh, a video podcast, so the people can't see how my neck was go- bobbing up and down <laughs> as you're talking, because it's just amazing how um, uh, ha- halfway across, well, I guess the whole, all the way around the world, right? I mean, you're on the other side of the planet and you're experiencing, I think, very similar, uh, I think I, I, people in the United States are having the exact same sort of revelations, uh, the same thing about uh, this, not enough training with speech therapists, not enough adequate um, 
uh, experiences for speech therapists who want to learn about AAC. Um, it, it's growing. It's definitely growing. I think you would find, I think you'd be hard pressed to find a speech therapist in the United States that hasn't heard the term core vocabulary, but yep. knowing there's an awareness factor and then there's a, how do I actually implement it and do it and make decisions, which takes a lot more experience and in, in integration. So. I think it's just amazing that it's, we, we have, we share this uh, commonality despite being yep. so far away, you know? It's the same. I, I think it's the same in every country. Do you know, I'm, I'm privileged to have a lot of friends that are therapists in a number of countries around the world and it's the same everywhere. Do you know, people try really hard, but we always want more supervision. We always want more training. We always want to learn more. And that's what makes, well, I think that's what makes a, a good clinician and, and somebody that, you know, families are happy to work with because they see they're constantly upskilling and, and wanting to find new solutions for whatever the issue might be. Yeah. So would you say like if there was a speech therapist in the United States, it's like, hmm, Australia, do you think there's opportunities there? (laughs) What, to come and do some training? Uh, To come and get a job. (laughs) Oh, without a doubt. There is, so at the moment with the, the shakeup of, as I said, the National Disability Insurance Scheme, different states have done different things with their government services. So in New South Wales, for example, the government <laughs> got rid of the entire government department that used to provide services for people with disabilities or with intellectual disabilities. And all that funding rolled into, um, you know, people basically to make choose your own therapy adventure, as I like to call it. And um, I used to work for that government department. So we were like, what do you mean we don't have a job anymore? And um, anyway, so there's lots of different organizations going, hmm, if we have disability support services, we can charge $175 per hour to this government scheme. We want competent people that know disabilities. So they're trying to recruit, you know, senior grade therapists basically. Mm -hmm. But um, there aren't that many senior grade therapists that have a lot of expertise in AAC. Um, So it's difficult. And, And I think, you know, it's not just AAC. I think pediatric feeding you know, complex peed feeding is also an area of, um, you know, expertise that, that mm-hmm. people are wanting to know more about. Um, and yeah, so there's definitely opportunities there. If you, you know, if American therapists want to take them up, I mean, there's that little secret handshake between our, um, professional bodies. So I'm, I'm sure there are many places that would be delighted to have American trained therapists. Uh, so let me ask you, going back to um, the users that you've spent some time with, are there any sort of like, I don't know, aha moments, any uh, surprising takeaways, some um, uh, experiences that, you know, if you were a fledgling speech therapist that they should know from spending time with uh, people who are functional users? Mm. Um, so actually this is really interesting about two weeks ago, we had a, the first inaugural, um, AAC voice seminar. And so that was run by, um, you know, organized by two AAC users that are adults and, uh, they named it the art and science of AAC because they say there's a science behind it, but it is a lot of art as well. Mm -hmm. And they had a, a panel with several AAC users in the afternoon who were taking questions from people. And, you know, we sort of asked them, what made you become a proficient AAC user? What helped you the most to learn what you needed to do to become a competent communicator? And one of the ladies, and um, I hope they don't mind me saying this, but one of the ladies said that her speech therapist recorded her voice because she kept on trying to speak and she's quite dysarthric. 
So her speech therapist recorded her voice and played it back to her. And she was shattered because she had no idea she was so incomprehensible because to herself, her own speech sounded perfectly clear. Uh And then when she heard it back to her, she was like, nobody can understand that. That's totally unintelligible. And that was the moment she started to learn how to use her device. So I think actually helping the ASC user to understand why they have to use it. um, Because I think sometimes we just plonk it down and they're kind of like, why am I using this? I don't want to use this. You can understand me. You know, I want that toy. Why do I have to request it? Do you know? So I think, yeah. So I think getting the buy-in of the, of the child or the end user is really important. Um, But then also one of the other things that's kind of horrified me as well, particularly looking at older children and, um, you know, I guess more recently I've been called into consult with some adults who are nonverbal communicators. And um, what's really horrified me is that these children and well, that, the adults now but they've gone through a lot of therapists they've had a lot of therapy they've had a lot of programs and the end of their you know their therapy program that they've completed means that they're very competent at requesting and very competent at very strictly scaffolded interactions but they don't know how to do anything else Mm -hmm. and they're desperate to communicate a range of things but they've only got two pragmatic functions and to me that's a massive failure of us as a profession knowing how to actually teach a range of pragmatic functions. So I guess my big bandwagon at the moment is, is what else are you teaching them? Where are the pragmatic functions? Where's more than just requesting because communication is so much more than that. And I missed that as well when I started. Sure. You know that, yeah. You start with requesting, but how fast can you move to teaching something else? It's so funny that you bring that up because I was just this week working with a team of uh, paraprofessionals or teaching assistants, and we were going through a language development scheme for a student just saying, well, well, can they do this and can they do that? Where are they on this language staircase, if you will? And um, over and over again, yeah, no, he can't um, ask a question. Nah, he can't ask a question. They kept saying that for every student we would go through. and said, how often do we teach them how to ask a question? And they're like, yeah, I don't think we ever do that, right? And they never even heard to them that they should be doing that, you know? Uh, yeah. And I think that's sort of a, a common theme. I bet you there's a lot of people sitting in their cars or listening to this right now going, yeah, yeah, exactly. We're, we're not, do- we, they know to protest and they know to request. And, yep. but we're not teaching them, we're teaching them to request the chocolate milk or request the goldfish cracker. Yep. What do you call it there? Mm-hmm. Teddy, Teddy, not, tiny what? teddies. Tiny teddies. That's it. Yep. Um, or but shapes. not to say I like it. I like the yep. tiny teddies, you know? Yep. Exactly. And, you know, this was my experience last week in a, in a classroom for children with autism and, you know, they'd been doing LAMP with this, this child and, and I was sitting there going, you necessarily haven't been doing LAMP. What I'm seeing here is a child that can do a three word utterance of, I want chocolate milk, but can't actually use any other words at a single level that functionally. You know, you've got the word respect on there, but he can't tell me to make the toy go. Do you know, so yeah. <laughs> I was kind of seeing a little bit of rote learning here, um, which is, it's still fantastic. You know, there was still some great things there, but I think, you know, we need to expand the language, the language functions, as you say, in that staircase of what do you want to say? So totally, totally. And give them the opportunities to experience how to, how to say those and teach, teach it, yep. you know, yeah. um, do you, so when you go as, as in, as a consultant like that, do you, mm-hmm. um, Tell me a little bit about that because uh, I do a lot of consulting as well mm-hmm. and I just want to compare notes a little bit. Do you, um, 
lately I, I've been starting to realize that, uh, and I think some of the research kind of supports this, that I need to do a better job of, of producing like a systematic um, <laughs> consulting role. Like I, I'm going to come every Thursday, we're going to do training together. Yep. Uh, and yeah. this Thursday, I'm going to, um, I'm going to, you're, you're going to watch me. And then next Thursday, I'm going to watch yep. you. And then we're going to, the following Thursday, we're going to reflect with each other, you know, something, but yep. systematically doing it as opposed to, eh, here's your device. Let me show well, you. What, yeah. what, what's your take on it? So Chris, what you're describing there to me sounds like a very structured mentoring and supervision program mm-hmm. for a therapist to develop their AAC skills in a systematic way. And um, I guess when I do consulting stuff through my job at Liberator, it's, you know, usually a family or a teacher or a speech therapist has contacted me and said, you know, we've got a device, um, you know, child's been using it, we've been supporting them, we're stuck, can you come out and, and you know, show us something else to do? Or it's a new um, therapist to AAC who's saying, oh, I've got to do something, help me, help me, please. And um, I guess because of the way different organizations are structured and the way that um, we work as well, we don't necessarily have the opportunity to go back and visit the same person weekly for a number of weeks on end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not something we have the time to do. Um, so my job as a Libretta consultant has been two days a week for all of New South Wales um, for the last four years. And I'm the first consultant in Sydney. So you can imagine it. it's taken a little, like it's taken off now, but you can imagine like I don't have, the time to drive out to places for that long. Um, what I have been noticing as well, though, that there is a huge need for um, therapists that know what they're doing. And then also I found if I'm not um, supporting children along their AAC journey in a systematic way, and I'm, I'm one of those people that um, I'm good at creating resources and activities when I have a child in mind. So if uh-huh. I'm working with a child, I can create fun stuff. But if you just say to me, oh, can you create something around this resource? If I don't have a child in mind, I can't create it. Um, so I'm actually changing my role next year to start to provide therapy um, to children. So then I can have some more systematic programs, I guess, to give to therapists that I then would need to support. But also a part of that is I'm going to be doing paid supervision and mentoring to therapists that want to take up that opportunity. So if they actually want to become a better assistive technology clinician, um, it's going to be a structured supervision arrangement because also there's an ethical consideration within that. Do you know, like if somebody I don't think is, a, you know, needs to learn more about AAC, um, their organisation has to be aware that they're going to be taking eight hours of their time you know, over a couple of months to spend with me, Um, that may be, you know, that may be a biased input from me because I do work for an equipment company. I mean, I try not to be, but there is that bias there. Um, And then also if I'm coming in and and recommending something and they're not doing it, I don't think it's the best interest of that child. Where's my ethical responsibility to actually say to that organization, you know, this therapist, or if I see a therapist, you know, being just slammed with a case so that's unmanageable, where's my reporting channels back to that organization to say this is inappropriate. So, you know, there's lots of different considerations there, which is why I'm wanting to do it in a formal manner under a supervision guideline where you have set goals and objectives and, you know, structure. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm going with it. Um, Because everybody's journey to learn is different as well. So, you know, 
yeah, some people might want to know more about alternate access and supporting children with AAC, whereas others might want to be, you know, how do I support literacy development with AAC? How do I do everything because I know nothing? Do you know? So, yeah. and that's going to take a long time. So do you envision, so this is exactly what I've been developing um, here with the school district that I work with, modules for each one of those things? Like you said, you, you, I want to do the literacy track. I want to do the yep. 101 track. I know nothing. I want to do the, um, I don't know, uh, what else? Um, Who knows? Data collection. Yeah, track. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I like the idea of modules, but knowing what I'm like and realistically with my time, I think I'm probably going to be a little bit incompetent about doing formal modules. Um, and I think it, I would like to do formal stuff, but I don't think realistically that will come off that. It, I think it'll be something like I'll do, um, you know, one lot of supervision with somebody and I'll develop some things to result, you know, to support them. And then I might use some elements from that when I'm supporting somebody else, um, which is what I've always done in the past when providing clinical supervision, you know, you, you really have to modify it to suit the person. And, you know, the same as if somebody was supervising me, you know, I don't need to go through the basics of using a big Mac, do you know? So why would I want to do that module? Do you know? (laughs) Exactly. But, but, you know, I would love to maybe take a trip down memory lane of positioning for switches, do you know? So totally, yeah. totally. You want to make it personalized, uh, personalized yeah. learning for each person that signs up for your, uh, for your, uh, what did you call what it? Supervision and mentoring type yeah. stuff. And, and, you yeah. know, making sure that it's approved with, you know, it's, it's, it's an arrangement that's formally recognized by the organizations as well, because um, I think, you know, having quality supervision is something that hasn't necessarily been supported from an employer's perspective in Australia. Um, now, particularly lots of organizations are, are hiring a lot of new graduates and um, the supervision isn't necessarily what it should be. Mm-hmm. Um, um, uh, let me switch gears a little bit and ask you, uh, Sydney, right? Is uh, that's where you are here in Sydney? Yes, I am. And is that where Isaac is going to be? So no, no, Isaac is it is, it is coming to Australia. It's a big country. So Isaac is actually going to be on the beautiful Gold Coast. Oh, Um, it's up up north. It's up in Queensland. So the Mm -hmm. Sunshine States where it's sunshine and mangoes every day. No, just joking. But it's, um, it is a beautiful part of the world. Absolutely stunning. Um, gorgeous beaches some theme parks, um, yeah, so uh, there's a film festival competition happening with Isaac. I've been told to promote this. Um, they've got some wonderful judges, some AAC users are on the panel, and there's some film editors as well on the judging panel. And the top 10 short films will get um, shown at Isaac. So if you've got a hankering to do a little bit of all-access filmmaking, please send your submissions in. I know they're very keen to look at those. Um so yeah, Isaac is very exciting. I know um, there's a camp that's happening beforehand for people that use AAC in their families um, to learn more about AAC and um, there's lots of exhibitors coming to show off their stuff and I haven't been to Isaac for years so I'm really excited that it's going to be in my home country and not going to cost me a fortune and 30 hours on a plane. So yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, got to go to last year. No, well, I guess it was the last one. It was in um, Toronto and it was awesome. It was so awesome. So uh, I highly recommend people going and checking it out. I mean, it's the, it's the premier place to learn about AAC. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, 
it's the best professional development, you know, I've had. I think it was the first big conference I went to was Dusseldorf and um, I had a poster presentation. I was like, I felt very proud. It was my first, you know, first poster at a conference. And um, yeah, I had so much fun. I learned so much. I stalked clever people, followed them around like a little puppy dog. And then um, I went to Montreal as well. And again, stalked clever people, followed them around, you know, basically was like anything with Gail Van Tatenhove, I'm going there. Anything, with, you know, certain names, you seem like just that name, you know, John Costello, I'm going to go to that one. Um, just, I will stalk these people. I don't care what they're talking on. I just know it's going to be brilliant. So, right. you know, Tracy Kovac, yep, I'm going to hers. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to doing a bit of hardcore stalking again this year. Apologies in advance if I fan stalk anybody, but um, yeah, pretty excited. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I wish I could see you there. I'll be uh, trying to follow along using my social media feeds to see what people are posting about. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. We should do a chat while we're there in the downtime. We'll Ooh, do it. We'll that would be awesome. A like a, we'll a man on the street sort of thing. You could like love take it. videos and, and like, I say hi to Chris, you know, <laughs> see if I can rope in one of the teenage device users to do it. I love it. Oh my gosh. That would be awesome. Cool. That would be awesome. Yeah. There's a couple of sassy little ones coming up that, yeah, they'd be into that. They're uh, happy to go up and harass people with cameras. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know I'm friends with some of them on Facebook from uh, from my travels back then, you know, and it's just so that. fun to, to keep up with them and see what they're doing, you know. Uh, all right. So last question, and then I'll let you go, okay? Uh-huh. That is um, what has been uh, – what's been – I don't know. What's been on your mind lately? What's been, uh, you know uh, – what's the best way to put it? What's the best question to ask? What has been floating your boat? What has got you curious? What are you like really working on? What do you want to learn oh. more about? What, or, or what are some final thoughts you have for people? Any, anything kind okay. of. So the big challenge with AOC at the moment that I'm tossing up in my head a little bit mm-hmm. is we've had a lot of people jumping on. So I guess around access to AAC. So an individual AAC end user, do you know, how do they access their device? So we've had, um, you know, how I said there's lots of trends that people go through and get really popular. So eye gaze has become a very trendy thing to prescribe. So lots of children are getting an eye gaze access device prescribed. However, they haven't necessarily tried switching or head pointing. And so I'm getting a lot of children that are getting, um, you know, that are unable to use their eye gaze system properly or they hate it, like hate uh-huh. it. You know, like we're talking behaviors like you wouldn't believe when you put the the eye gaze on I'm quite happy to use the system with a switch but switching is really difficult so I guess I'm sort of thinking more along like what is and I know there's lots of protocols out there and there's a bit of research out there but I guess I'm just trying to marry up in my head what are the best protocols to go through for different presentations around children that have really complex access issues but may not have you know, an intellectual disability, or even if they do have an intellectual disability, what are the considerations that we need to really keep in mind? Do you know? So mm-hmm. lots of kids will come to the, the children's hospital and come through and, you know, we see them in there, they're in a walker, they're walking. And I'm like, Hey, where's your talker buddy? And the mum's like, Oh yeah, it's downstairs. We didn't bring it up. I'm like, well, how's he supposed to talk to me? <laughs> do you know? And, um, oh, oh, well, he doesn't really like it. Why not? Because he's got a, the big whopping 14 inch screen with a, an eye gaze unit on it. I'm like, so how do they, like, what do you do when you can't get funding for a new device and the one they've got is inappropriate and they can't access it? So I guess I'm just trying to marry up what's the research, the evidence, and then the practical things to do. 
So, and they're the sorts of things I wish that we would all take into consideration when prescribing a device to someone, do you know, is this actually going to be functional for their lifestyle? And then when, you know, somebody else gets to see that client, how are they going to use it? Do you know? So I guess right, I'm, right. you see how I'm, I'm very confused about this whole thing at this point. Um, cause it's, it's multifaceted, it's access, it's functionality, and it's also user preference. Right. So, right. And it's assessment, all of that. How do well, you it comes back to, yeah, yeah. And, you know, what do you do when there isn't the funding to get a new tool? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, we, we've already spent our funding to get this tool and the student uh-huh. doesn't like it. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah, yeah what do you do? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> that's, no, neither do I. So this is my thing at the moment. And then my right. other one always is, um, is literacy. But, yeah, they're my, they're my two things that I'm always banging on about. Absolutely. And those are, it's, that's great. Literacy is something I keep wanting to learn more and more about because I, I keep finding um, the more I work with students that that has not been a consideration um, as much as I'd want it to be, you know? So, mm. all right, Leanna, thank you so much for your time. And uh, I can see the dog starting to bark again. So <laughs> pleasure, Chris. Take care. Good to chat to you. All right. En- enjoy, enjoy the sunny weather and uh, have fun. Good luck with your, all your endeavors. Have fun at Isaac and uh, I'll see you later. Thanks, Chris. Good to talk to you. I'm sure we'll catch up soon. Well, I, I thought that was a really fantastic interview with Leanna Fox uh, joining us all the way from Australia. So thank you so much uh, for, for being with us. And um, it's always wonderful to, to hear Chris at work because he is a, a master at what he does. So we're, we're learning from him every day as uh, hopefully uh, those of you listening are, are learning something as well. So um, a few quick things. Uh, Chris's book actually uh, is, a, is, is available now for pre-order and it's got the, the, the best cover ever. So I look forward to or I, I encourage you to, to go look for it. It's called The New Assistive Tech, Make Learning Awesome for All. Uh, it's available on Amazon now um, as a pre-order. Um, and then for those of you who missed it, uh, this past Monday, uh, Chris, Rachel, and I did a live webinar for the company Exceptional Ed, which is with an X, so xexceptionaled.com, uh, which I, I was, I think, pretty well received. It's an hour about, um, you know, app selection in, in, uh, in AAC specifically. And uh, we covered a lot of ground for, um, for just an hour or so. Um, that's about it. Rachel? You know what, guys? If you haven't subscribed already, please go to iTunes, hit the subscribe button so you're updated every single time we have a new episode. And if you could please leave us a review, we would really appreciate to hear your thoughts and your feedback. So please get in touch with us. Well, thanks once again from those of us at Talking With Tech. Uh, my name is Lucas Stuber here with Rachel Bandel and Chris Begay. Um, you know, I can't even tell you how grateful we are to to have you all listening. And um, I, I wake up happy every morning knowing that uh, we're hopefully making a difference in the community. Um, so uh, please give us your feedback. Shoot us an email, tech at speechscience.org. Or find us at face on Facebook, either the page or the group, um, Talking With Tech. Uh, or on Instagram or Twitter, uh, at Talking With Tech. And you might even be able to track down uh, a Lucas, a Chris, and a, a Rachel individually, too, if you, uh, if you want to harangue us on our own. But anyway, we love hearing from you guys. We'd love to answer all your questions. And um, we do have some uh, stocked up that we're uh, going to do a whole episode about soon. So um, thanks for your time. Talk to you next week. 